Diana Vivaro is a 14-year industry veteran as a hair and makeup artist. She has been an educator for 10 years and is now the director of the Paul Mitchell School in New York City. Today, we're going to hear from her what she sees as challenges she hears from students as they try to get started in their career. Welcome back to the Hairdresser Strong Show. I am your host, Robert Hughes, and today I am with Diana Vivaro. How are you doing today, Diana? I am great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. It's so good to have you on the show again, and um, I'm excited for this conversation. Me too. It's a pleasure to be back. I can't wait. I have so Uh, much good information to tell you today. Yeah, I can't wait to hear. So, um, you know, if you're listening or watching and you're not familiar with who Diana is, then definitely go back and check out her previous episodes and uh, get to know her a little bit. Uh, I've also had the chance to visit uh, this school where Diana teaches and uh, it was a great energy and great vibes. And uh, so I'm really excited to like hear what you have to say. And I'm also excited to hear how it compares to what I'm hearing from uh, teachers in the schools nearby. So um, why don't we just get started by uh, you know, telling us like, you know, you were talking about how you just did a career day. Why don't, why don't we start with that and then kind of go into any sort of challenges uh, that young people are having? Okay. So um, I, one of the functions that I do as a school director, I get to also be the placement leader. So what the placement leader is, is almost like a matchmaker. I get to match up these future professionals with potential Salon. So we have a great relationship with both um, all the salons in the New York area, um, spas, Sephora's, all those kind of places. So it's really good to have a lot of different options for our future professionals. And then we get to just meet with each one, see what they're interested in, what what kind of atmosphere. And I would say that one of the biggest things that they're looking for is a place that they're going to feel comfortable. So they're really looking for that like salon culture, a place that they're going to fit in, um, a place that they're going to feel like safe and welcome. So that, that's one of the biggest areas I would say is just having them feel comfortable in the salon that they're placed in just to start off. And then, um, okay, you can know, I, can I ask a question about that? So when we talk about a comfortable environment and what type of things have have they come to you and are have you heard that they're saying that was a place that wasn't a pl- like a good fit for them in terms of the culture or the environment? Something you know maybe a salon owner can can think about and take inventory on and ask themselves like hey is that happening here? So I would say the biggest thing is the team and how once they're assisting stylists, a lot of them feel uncomfortable with the way that the stylist is interacting with them. So a lot of um, the newer generation of future professionals that we have, they're a little bit more sensitive. Um, They definitely are looking to learn but um, they want to be treated well. They want to feel valued at the same time. So I think there's a little bit of a disconnect between the salon owners themselves and then the stylists that are actually working hands-on with the assistants. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard that yet. That's good. Okay. So um, is it that they're being like too bossy or or rude or 
too fast paced. I have heard that one a little too quick, fast paced. Uh, what, anything specific? So I think that um, maybe if salons worked closer with the people, the stylists are actually going to be training them and have them, yes, be a little bit more patient, but also they have to educate them too. So the way that they want things done, how they want them to fold the foils or, you know, when they need their bowls of color mixed, just to be a little bit more like direct with the directions, um, like with the expectations of what they need to do. And then, you know, just be a little bit kinder to them and have a little bit more patience as they're starting to learn and develop all of the systems that the salon has in place that they're now responsible to do. Okay. How, how about when you talk to salon owners and uh, what type of, um, what type of complaints or worries or consideration or concerns have they expressed to you about these young, uh, about this, uh, these rising stylists or future professionals? So it seems that right now there is the biggest need that I've ever seen for salons that actually need assistance or, you know, rising stars, future professionals, um, whatever it may be. But um, I think that it is because the expectations are so much different from how it is now. Like when I was first in the salon, it was just like that. Like one, two, three, very thick skin. They just tell you what you want. You run and you get it as fast as you can, you know, and like you just used to working hard and doing all of that. But now they need a little bit more direction. You need to be on top of them. You need to be nicer. A lot of, a lot of times, um, I guess going through everything that this world went through, people have like more struggles and they have like, they're scared more. They have, they don't have as much confidence. So it's, it's a little bit harder now because it takes more. You have to invest more into them to get what you want rather than just having somebody that's going to come in and just be a workhorse, you know? Yeah, I, you know, I think, I think in general, it seems like the more I have this conversation, it seems like, as a majority, uh, you should just, I mean, the unfortunate reality is that these people just take more money. I mean, it's just more expensive in terms of resources in general, you know, in order to hire and train and retain, it sounds like it's just, you know, at the end of the day, it costs you more time and more money. Would you agree with that? I mean, it's just the cost of business is going up because of this extra time and attention uh, that you have to pay toward for these young, young rising stylists. Um, I, I think about it a little bit different. I think of it as more of an investment. So if you're willing to invest in the right person and you're going to get more in return in the end. So I think it's going to be a lot of communication during the interview process. I think it would really be great is if, um, and I know some of the salons that we work with do this, they'll set up shadow dates. So the future professionals could go in and have a shadow. So it's almost like kind of like an audition. They just go in, they feel like if, if they could see themselves, you know, vibe in the salon, um, get to know the people, get, feel more comfortable in the atmosphere. And you could, you don't even, you could just invite them in. So even before you interview, it doesn't really have to cost you anything because you're just, you know, letting them, you're investing in them. They're going to get some free education. They're going to get to feel like how the salon 
feels with you there. So I think that's a really good opportunity to start out. Um, and then once you have them in and they're shadowing and you feel comfortable with them and they feel comfortable with you, just having more of a conversation about exactly what you would expect from them, um, what your training system is going to be like. They definitely are really into continuing education. That's one of the biggest things too um, that they said that they're looking for is a place that's going to can help them to continue to learn. Um, also definitely like coaching and um, constructive criticism, let them know what they need to do or what, you know, they could be better at, but just like more in a, in a nicer, kinder way. Um, so I think a lot of times in the salon, you know, we get busy and we may not have patience and you're just like, whatever you need, you just want it right that second. Um, so I think we just had to kind of like slow down a little bit. And then once they get used to it, they'll be comfortable and they'll be they'll be quicker. It's just I feel like it's a little bit scary for them. So they're unsure in the beginning. But if you really take the time to invest in them, I think that's really what they're looking for. They're looking to be like seen and heard and like like, you know, they want to feel safe and they want to feel valued as an employee. You know, I um, one of the concerns that some saloners have brought up is that they are finding more and more young people, more and more rising stylists, people coming out of school. They're, you know, they're not as interested in like being an apprentice and uh, doing much of a training situation. Um, however, once and I feel like we've talked, I've talked about this so much, like once you figure that out, once you figure out like, you know, maybe your training situ process needs to be tweaked. So maybe there's an adjustment there. Uh, maybe it's a communication thing. Uh, maybe, maybe the training program doesn't have to be changed at all. Maybe it's just how you're approaching uh, and communicating, which I feel like I hear you talking a lot, touching a lot on here is like, on, it comes down to the delivery sometimes. But one of the cons in spite of all that, one of the concerns is in compliance is that they don't stay long enough to get a return on their investment. Do you have any thought on that? You know, they kind of come get the training, get a few clients, not enough to where they've executed enough, enough services to where you really got a return on all that investment. Um, do you have anything thoughts on that? So I know um, like some, some of the future professionals will, before they find the place that they really like, they may go through one or two other salons and kind of realize like, feel like they don't fit there and then they find the place that they do fit in. That's why I think, you know, the shadowing and all that ahead of time also kind of helps. But um, also I think that they just need to have a little bit more motivation. Like everybody's, everybody's motivated somehow. So I know we need to really motivate them to want to succeed. And you know, some, sometimes that could be a little bit harder. Like you said, people want instant gratification. Like they want to go in and they just want to start, you know, doing hair and they don't want to assist. But when you show them the value in it and you give them a game plan and you let them know like, okay, you're going to assist for this long. So I know a lot of salons have actually been short shortening the assistant program because people would get tired of assisting for a year or, you know, even in two years and they want to be behind the chair. So it's like, they really want to go out there and they just want, like you said, they just want to get their hands dirty and they just want to start like doing hair like they've been doing it forever, like they see people like us have been doing. Um, so they're definitely, you know, very anxious to do that. 
But um, what I think, too, is maybe allow them to have one day out of the week where they bring in their own people. So this way they're also advertising for you and you're not just, you know, feeding them clients and you're not sure if they're going to do a good job. Let them show you. Let them bring in models, um, you know, their parents, their friends and do blowouts, haircuts, like start with little things. And then once you see, okay, they're really great at blowouts, allow them to then do that. So this way they can kind of still assist, but then still be able to have clients and kind of see those results and be proud of themselves. Like, Oh wow, I'm really behind the chair. And I think that may help to motivate them. Um, also different things like um, prizes for maybe for, you know, if they selling take home or rebooking or just like any like different ways that you could motivate them to like, just keep them excited. Also, they want to have fun. Like they want to have fun when they go to work. So they want to be in that environment where it doesn't really feel like work but obviously we need them to work. So when you have that really good like salon culture and it's like everybody's really nice and it's just like super fun to be there and they're doing what they love, I think that will really help to retain um, your new stylists. But again, you definitely do have to work with some of the existing stylists and make sure that you're teaming them up with someone that has that really great attitude. Somebody that's like loves your salon and is your salon's biggest cheerleader. Um, somebody that's going to have patience, somebody that's going to be able to explain to them what they're doing, why they're doing. They don't just want to like stand there and hold the foil in their hand. They want you to kind of tell them, okay, we're folding the foil this way because we're doing a balayage. So we need a longer foil this time or whatever it is. I think they really, just need to be engaged. Otherwise, they'll just kind of like zone out and be bored. So you have to kind of talk to them throughout the process. Well, you know, I, I, I feel like, um, you know, I, we have an apprentice right now and I'm, I'm responsible uh, for her. And uh, there are, and then she's amazing. uh, By the way, if you're watching this, Sydney, then uh, you're awesome. Uh, One of the things that I realized during the process is, uh, there are things that I thought were common sense, but I've been in the industry for so long and it's like, that's not common sense. Like, it's like, you need to be told, especially if, if you're young enough to never really have worked in a, a, a business, like a work, a job before, especially if it's a job that is a brick and mortar space that sees clients coming and going, that's a very different business than um, any other business because you gotta, you gotta think about so many different things. And, um, what I've realized is I, I'm going to have more success if I take the time to, you know, create like little, little lists of, uh, you know, things, Hey, here's, here's a list of things to do when you feel like you don't know what to do instead of, you know, going down and doing a load of laundry before the laundry actually needs to done, needs to be done. Just pull out this little list. And, um, that seems to work, uh, in my situation, which is really kind of like, you know, way I was, way I was taught my apprenticeship was like, you kind of thrown into the fire and it was sink or swim and you had to figure it out and you had to take initiative and you had to figure out what there was to do. And uh, that doesn't, you know, I, I wonder if that is something that you're hearing or if that's kind of what you're, if that has to do with what you're talking about as well. Yeah. I think that you, you definitely have to give a detailed list or instructions of what you want of what you want to be done and And show and show the person not it's like hey check the bathroom every hour or 30 minutes or you know as frequently as possible whatever uh well that means like 
not just sweeping the floor, but maybe wiping the counter off and checking the toilet paper and like all those things need to be on that list. Otherwise they just kind of get overlooked. Um, is there anything else that uh, comes to mind uh, other than um, working, making sure that the the vibe is good with uh, w- between the between these rising stylists and the the owner, but also the other people that are at the salon and anybody that's responsible yeah. for them? Is there anything else that comes to mind? Um, so they do also want to be compensated well. So that's another thing too. Um, you know, when we first started out. You kind of just, you know, made minimum wage and got as many tips as you could as you were shampooing. But they want to know, like, what benefits do they have to offer? Do they offer, like, paid time off? Like, and their schedule, they kind of want to be a little bit flexible. So you have to really, like, kind of, like, match people up to how it's going to be. If it's a salon that's going to be super busy and they want you to be there from morning to night and that's how it is, then that wouldn't be a good place for you know, this, that type of, uh, rising stylist, maybe a salon that's a little bit more laid back, or maybe they have more stylists and, um, you hire, instead of having like one assistant that would, you know, work for 10 hours or eight hours a day, you have multiple assistants that only work three days a week for like six hours a day. Um, that could also help out with, you know, the scheduling, because I know that it's a lot, it it really is hard work to be an assistant. And we try to teach them definitely like all that it takes, not only with just the hard skills of not even, uh, of course, doing hair, but just like washing bowls, folding towels, like all that stuff we have, you know, we have to teach as well, like sometimes even how to sweep the floor. But, um, just how to be able to communicate, like the soft skills, how to greet a client's guest and how to walk them over to the shampoo bowl and how to give a really great shampoo. And there's just really so much that, that goes into it. And, um, they do the best that they can, obviously. And it's just that sometimes they need, they need that person that's going to just really have that patience and kind of like walk them through it if they don't like exactly what, you know, the way that they're doing it, because I feel like they're, they're definitely willing to learn. It's just, you really have to, you really have to show them. And, uh, I guess I'm curious, like what type of benefits are you, I mean, benefits to me is just like, I know it's not a thing. It's It's like unheard of. It's not a thing. I mean, and I've, I've been here, but I haven't been interviewing some salon owners who are adding things like uh short-term disability you know they might pay for or long-term disability or something like that uh what type of benefits are you hearing that salon owners are providing uh and you know i i understand that if you're a, a large corporation that you might be able to have economies of scale to afford to provide more benefits but i'm not talking about that i'm talking about you know, like your average salon that has one, maybe two locations max. What are you hearing from them? So usually salons like that don't offer benefits. Um, we do have bigger, you know, companies that will come in like an Ulta, 
um, JC Penney's, like Sephora, places like that that do offer that. So some of them do like to kind of go that that corporate route because then they feel like they're able to be set up for the future. Um, but we do also teach them a lot about how to invest their money and how to you know, be able to budget like money in, money out, things like that, since most places do not offer benefits. But I think that they they kind of just want to be able to know that they have like some kind of like freedom. Like they want to go to work and they want to enjoy their, they want to enjoy work, but they really like looking for that work-life balance as well. So they want to make money and they want to work, but they also want to go out and enjoy their life. So it's kind of like trying to find that balance is a little bit hard. Yeah, I think, I mean, I want all that too. And, uh, you know, I think, I don't, I don't, I doubt, I doubt that many people of us don't want that. Uh, I'm, I'm just kind of, uh, curious to know, you know, how does a salon, how do so many salons, uh, compete? So it sounds like, sounds like, are you saying that in your experience that rising stylists uh, are going to tend towards security by going to a corporate, uh, like a larger, uh, company that can offer more benefits. Would you say like you're seeing a lot of people do that? Like that's a trend. You know, maybe um, we should be looking. Maybe other salons should be looking to bring in people that have already built a clientele at a JC Penney or a a large corporate. You know, like as a strategy from a salon. That do you have any? What comes to your head when I? Oh, so I think like for a salon that obviously cannot offer benefits like that, I would look into benefits other ways, like like commission for, for selling take home. Like they want to, they want to know that they're going to make money. So different um, options that they could like the commission percentage, instead of like starting at 30%, which is like what I first started out, you know, which is kind of low, but um, you know, starting out a little bit higher when, when, when you first start, or again, definitely being able to design their own paycheck by selling take home and different things like that to help to um, make up for the money that, you know, income. Okay, Besides cool. Just like the regular paycheck. I think that helps um, knowing that if they want to take a vacation or take time off that they're allowed to do that. I feel like they just want to feel like they have some kind of, you know, freedom like that. They're not like married to you forever. You know, that's why I think they kind of leave because that's what happens is when they feel uncomfortable, they just, they're done. Like if they feel scared, they, they, they can't learn anymore. You know what I mean? They just like shut down and they just want to like, they just disappear. Like they won't even, they don't, a lot of times don't even feel comfortable being able to have that conversation about quitting and why they don't want to continue to work there. They just won't show up for work. And yeah. I think that just that comes down to a lot of like the the emotion and like you know emotional intelligence. Um, we try to teach them a lot about and how to manage their own emotions and how to take into consideration like other people's feelings and you know emotions. And it's just a it's a whole new it's a whole new world. It is, and I really appreciate this conversation. And um, I don't and I don't want to like I don't want to like. I want to be careful to make sure to stay focused on what we're talking about. Uh, I got something burning in the back of my, my head that I got to ask. Um, this concept of flexibility with my schedule makes sense when you're shampooing and cleaning, but when you have a clientele, I mean, I don't, I, I must be missing something or I'm not. And I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. Like, 
uh, you want to like come in late or you want to like, you know, switch your days or you want to like, oh, I don't want to, I don't need this day off. It's like, how do you, how do they plan on building a clientele with that type of work ethic and that attitude and that approach to, to, to work? So I say that I try to look at it like more of like them maybe working smarter instead okay. of harder. So I would say, and I'm not saying I agree 100%. I'm just kind of telling you from both yeah, sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. And I'm you glad know, you said I, that. I actually. will work. I will work day and night from the time <laughs> I wake up to the time I go to sleep. And I do it every single day with my job, you know? So for me, I totally like get it because that's, I'm, I couldn't sit still anyway. You know, I wouldn't like, not, that's not what I would want. But um, I think that it does make sense though. Like say if I was still in a salon, would I want to work four days instead of, you know, six days, maybe like full days and just maximize my book and see as many clients as I can in a less amount of days than working six days and having less clients. So I think maybe just like, like scheduling wise, try to like schedule all your clients in, in a shorter time frame so that you have more time to be able to be off. Yeah, no, that that makes complete sense. And uh, I know there's I, I get into debates with salon owners all the time about three days versus four days versus five days versus two days. And, uh, you know, I think salon owners need to decide what's best for their business. Uh, but I do definitely think that, you know, that flexibility and allowing them because like I'm not hearing very many people want to work five days a week. And, uh, and if you want to work three days a week, and that's cool. And like, if you're an assistant and we have a bunch of assistants and, you know, like waiters can, uh, and servers, they can, they can say, Hey, can you work my shift for me? You know, that's totally doable. Um, but I always, I always say it's like, but we're not going to move you onto the floor until you can maintain a schedule. Uh, because like, if you can't, like, we're not going to feed you clients just so that you can think that you can switch your days. And then how, what's that going to look to the brand of the salon? Like the salon is going to suffer if, uh, we don't have someone that's reliable. It's like, Hey, I'm booking an appointment with person a, and then person a is like, I don't want to show up. I change with person B and the, and the customer's like, I don't know who person B is. Yeah. No, that's not, that's not good either. No. Um, so anyway, I don't know if you have any comment on that before we wrap it up, but um, I, I like I like this conversation, and I think it's important to to have it because, like, while young, while changes and trends, they t- they things change. You know, we business changes, and and I I always say like business owners who don't want to want to adapt, it's like you're you're taking a big risk, and um, but also there are fads. There are fads that come in and go. And so like really kind of discerning between like what type of things are going to be sticky. You know, if we go through a recession, how is that going to change, you know, this like this expectation? Like a salon salon owner's expectations are probably going to change if there is a recession and and we all of a sudden, you know, customers have different different needs and uh and they become more price elastic and and then uh how are how are our stylist expectations going to change when all of a sudden uh the good times kind of dried up a little bit and you need bill you got bills to pay you know yeah. do you have any thoughts on on that or or is that not a conversation you're really oh, having right now to be super honest with you all the prices obviously as you know went up and um even in the schools like the the cost of our products go up so as you know, the products go up, we have to increase our prices. And a lot of times people, when they're coming to a school, 
it actually, they used to complain more about the price and it's lower than a salon. But since we've raised our prices, honestly, nobody has complained about it. I feel like we, I think that everybody kind of just like knows now after COVID, like you just expect to pay more for everything. But what we do is try to increase the value of what we give. So the haircut costs went up. We're nicer to you. You know, like we greet you happier and (laughs) whatever it is, like, you know, we kind of like try to add value to the experience. So to be honest, I know that everything really has went up, but we really have not had any complaints. And even when we upgrade the tickets and we have to go through like what the prices are, most people don't even care about the price anymore, which is crazy. I mean, that's awesome, but it's, it was, you know, it's a little unexpected because in the past people would, but I think it's just now expected that they're every, no matter what you want, it costs more and people are just paying it. Yeah. And, uh, have you heard any salon owners being worried about, uh, this or any rising, any of the, your, uh, any of your students worried about it or is this not really a, cause I know some people aren't talking about it and some people are. No, I mean, honestly, a lot of the salons that we work with, I know are like expanding right now. So I think that it must be pretty good for them. Um, I know that definitely there is a huge need for assistance. Like our placement right now is, is great. Like we have a very high placement rate. Um, In the past, it was a little bit more maybe difficult, but now I have more salons looking to hire future professionals than I have like future professionals to that's amazing into the job. So, I mean, that that's good, but I think no matter where, whatever industry it is right now, I don't know why, but it's like, everybody's looking for new talent. Like everybody's looking to hire people. Like you said, waitresses, waiters, like no matter what the industry is, if, if you need a job, like right now is your time because there's so many jobs available. Um, I don't know if maybe because what happened with COVID and people got used to staying home, maybe that's why there's such a big void there right now. Um, I don't know how, you know, people just afford to stay home all the time or why they would want to and, you know, be bored. But I mean, now's, now's a really great time to get into the industry if you're not, um, already in there because there's so many, there's so many opportunities. There's literally opportunities everywhere right now i'm I'm really happy to hear that uh i i'm i can i can turn into a worrier uh and so you know when i hear the you know stuff in the news about you know what's coming you know what hasn't come yet and Mm -hmm. so i'm glad to hear that people are are focused on expanding and they're not kind of being gripped by fear um Cool. Well, I think this is uh, this was a great conversation. I feel like we hit a lot of different points. Um, I'd love to kind of have you back and yeah. talk about what 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 we can all do to um, you know, like what can we do to help bridge some of these expectation gaps. I feel like conversations like this are really important, and uh, I, I I hope that they're they're reaching people, and um, because like business owners, they're wondering like why am I having so much trouble with with community communicating with these young people. And I think a big part of it is that, uh, that people aren't as engaged and active and, uh, with their, with their, with their community and, you know, and yeah. the schools, but like, that's just my yeah. perspective. Um, I'd like to hear more of what yours is on that, but let's say, why don't we say that for the next conversation? Okay. Sounds good. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your your perspective. And I feel like it's so valuable to get um, 
people like yourself who are you know, use such a good vantage point of what the what the future is you know looking at you know we even if even if 10% of what you're seeing becomes cemented into our future which i think it's a lot more i think there's big changes happening um so i think it's really valuable to get you on and hear your hear your perspective so thanks so much for coming on the show thank you all right i'll talk to you later okay bye bye all right bye